Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to It's All Kicking Off, another What Culture Football podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and Adam Cleary from What Culture Football here to discuss a variety of burning football issues. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Football wherever you get your podcasts from for daily football podcasts. Adam Cleary, though, we should probably deal with the big news of today surrounding Sean Dyche and Burnley reports coming out in the past 24 hours from the Daily Mail, uh, that Sean Dyche may be on his way out of Burnley Football Club at the end of this season. Apparently a big falling out with Clarence chairman Mike Garlick <laughs> is the no one reason behind this. Indeed, um, issues around uh, the re-signing of player contracts, his concerns about how much money they will have to spend this summer. First of all, your reaction to this news? Uh, Burnley and Sean Dyche just go together like gravy and gravy don't they really like, <laughs> we've just been together forever um was it eight years he's been at the club mm. something along those lines um it's always seemed obviously burnley weren't really on too many people's radars until they entered the premier league and the entire time they've been there they've been very much this there's very few teams in recent years who you sort of so associate with a manager you think of stoke and tony pulis for an example but burnley and dice have always been just this kind of joint package where you kind of think the man the manager's style, everything about him suits the football club and the football club suits the players he's got, the players he's got to suit him. So it's an odd one. Um, you know, it kind of feels like hearing about like your auntie and your uncle are breaking up or something because it just doesn't quite compete with you. Uh, it's an odd one. If it's down to something as, you'd assume, fairly trivial as contracts and whatnot, you'd imagine they'd take steps to get that resolved over the next couple of months because I'm not sure, I'm not sure where Burnley could go after Daesh particularly. I'm not sure if there's a better calibre manager out there available mm. for them. Yeah, it's surreal. Uh, I've seen Jeff Hendricks' name mentioned when it comes to sort of senior players getting contract extensions. Obviously, I've uh, read reports about Aaron Lennon and Joe Hart obviously leaving the club when their contracts run out. There was a random report about Phil Bardsley effectively being released by the club and then three days later signing a new contract. Uh, they haven't even been able to fill the... Uh, subs bench with these new rules uh, in in uh, in effect in the Premier League. I think they named two goalkeepers on the bench and a whole load of players who've barely kicked a ball for Burnley. Um, worrying times if you're a Burnley fan then. Yeah, I think Burnley should be taking a look at Bournemouth this year because we associate Eddie Howe with Bournemouth to a similar extent. We associate Sean Dyche with Burnley. Team that have come up, have a very clear identity, a very set way of playing, massively overachieved, have shown that you can survive in this league by simply being well-organised and not spending a ton of money. 
And but it's finally caught up with, with Bournemouth this season, and they look to be in in serious trouble. And I think Sean Dyke, the the biggest bit of credit you can pay to Sean Dyke is they've never had a season really since coming up where they've looked in desperate trouble. They've obviously skirted around the bottom of the league, but they've never looked like you know bereft of ideas. They've never looked like they wouldn't be able to fight their way out of it. And um, it's just it's it's really upset me this because hmm. I like I like consistency and I like things that go together for a long time and I just like I like there to be a bit of stability in this unforgiving unlovable world of football and for Sean Dyche to leave Burnley over something like just oh they wouldn't sign Aaron Lennon well, I can't get any more money for Jeff Hendricks just seems such a sad waste. Now in Burnley's defence I mean any sort of football club's defence, obviously with the current situation in the world being as it is, it's very unpredictable. Having said that, when Burnley have invested money or, or Sean Dyche has spent money, it's always been on relatively safe bets. I think it's fair to say, I mean, they, you look at them in the league now, they're 12, 39 points, they're one point behind Arsenal on the same points as uh, Newcastle United. Like you say, they were never really considered relegation fodder this season. Mm -hmm. It just strikes me, oh, this has all the hallmarks of, like you say, a Bournemouth. But in particular, my mind is cast back to like a Charlton who said, oh, you know what? We don't really need Alan Kirbishley anymore. Let's let's get Ian Dowie in or whoever they got in. And it was just an absolute car crash the following season. Well, this is the thing. I think the main reason for Burnley fans to be concerned is not so much that Sean Dyche is leaving because Sean Dyche is not... With all due respect to him, he's not some radical, unique thinker. Nobody else could possibly get results out of this Burnley side because they are a good team. It's the names that are currently being linked. Like the year, it's 2020, mate, and they're talking about getting Mark Mark Hughes in. Like the man who nearly got two teams relegated in the same season. Like it's an absolutely extraordinary shout. <laughs> like you know, he took Stoke down, and then I remember, I do remember him getting praise for keeping Southampton up, but. They only stopped up because it was by a point or something. There was already a point ahead when he took over and they got some improbable results, some improbable win out of nowhere with about three games to go. So Mark Hughes, yeah, maybe he does get some credit for saving Southampton, but in the end, he was only saving Southampton from himself. So I don't <laughs> really know why that. Why he's the man you go to there. Yeah, it's surreal. Obviously, as a, as a Chesterfield fan, I will not hear a bad word said against the man who walked Chesterfield out in the FA Cup semi-final against Middlesbrough in 1997 before David Ellery screwed us, of course. Of course. Um, but you, you feel like this is the sort of job that a Neil Warnock would have leapt at had he not just uh, picked up the job at Middlesbrough. Yeah, well, uh, again, no, no disrespect to, to Burnley or to Middlesbrough, but... I think Neil Warnock would leap at pretty much anything that was offered to him. <laughs> I know the man's record for getting teams promoted is, is almost unparalleled, but I also saw that dub somebody did of putting him in the Chicago Bulls documentary, where he's in the Chicago Bulls face. The guy, is he's, he's old-fashioned, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, especially if your team is trying to perform sort of a beyond the level of ability you'd maybe expect, trying to overperform, uh, get res better results than they maybe expect it to get. I, this is, But this is exactly the thing, though. That's the conversation, isn't it? Well, they don't get Mark Hughes. Oh, that's a shame. Warnock's gone. Like, are these really the people they expect to be taking the club on? Well, yeah, it's, a, it's interesting to think where fans want this team to go next. Because like you say, they've got a very set way of playing. They've got a squad sort of built for that. You look at your... Your Ashley Barnes's and your Chris, Chris Woods, for example, and then then the, the sort of creative midfielder players to sort of set that sort of thing up. Um, 
Where do you think Burnley want to go next? Do they want just sort of another manager in the mould of Sean Dyche? Or are they going to, you know, sort of roll the dice? Because I still remember my dad's a West Ham fan. I still remember West Ham being like, oh, we don't want to play all this dour football like we are playing under Allardyce. And now I think guaranteed Premier League football next season, they would snatch your arm off to have an Allardyce in charge right now. Yeah, I, well, not, this is an entirely separate conversation, but I don't know if there's a more imagined thing in the entire world than the West Ham way, but that's a story. <laughs> um, this is the thing. It's From a fan's perspective, you look at your club being well-established in mid-table and the possibility of your manager leaving, and you should automatically be thinking, OK, well, if we're stable here in the middle of the league, who can we get in to maybe challenge a little bit higher up? You know, we should be skirting around the bottom of those European places, maybe. Maybe that's the kind of level we can reach to, but... I think when you've had somebody in for eight years like, and who knows the club inside out and has built it in such an image of how they want football to be played is so vital a component to the making of that as a business and a football team. Your next managerial appointment literally needs to be somebody who comes in and just doesn't mess it up. Mm. Like, I think if you're making such a radical change uh, after so long, your priority is, okay, we'll get somebody in and let's make sure we survive next season and then if that works, then we can start thinking about these things. Now, it's very, I mean, you've seen what happened, what's happened to Man United. And you've seen what's happened at Arsenal when managers leave, no matter what no matter what circumstances they leave under. So Alex Ferguson was still beloved by Man United fans. Arsenal fans were literally getting the words Wenger out tattooed across their buttocks. It's <laughs> just that you need to have a few seasons of stabilisation because the entire identity of the club is forced to change. Now, if a manager's been there 18 months or two years, that identity club probably won't be that well established. They're probably still playing a lot of players who were there before they even took over there to an extent, having to compromise their own vision for that. But when it's been eight years, there's not a single player in that Burnley side who wasn't signed by Sean Dice. There's not a single player in that Burnley side who hasn't been getting coached by Sean Dice. It's going to be a radical, radical change for them. So you either want somebody who's going to come in, steady the ship, uh, maybe let some of these changes be made at board level. Maybe they'll change the recruitment strategy to bring in a different type of player, but it's got to be gradual and over a number of seasons. So interesting times. Mm. Would I be particularly confident of them being good? No. Yeah, one final thing I want to say on this before we move on and talk about uh, Man United's performance last night and Liverpool being you one just- step away from Mate, you can just you can just say we're going to talk about the quintuple quintuple sub. You haven't got to let Chivik get out. We're coming to we're coming to that. Before I get to that, though, I want to talk uh, very briefly. Uh, just I just have a flash of Bolton Wanderers about Burnley right now. They obviously had Allardyce in charge for so long. Then Sammy Lee. Then Owen Coyle. Gary Megson. It all fell apart. Look at where they are in the league now. It's dangerous. I know Lee Johnson of Bristol City is another name being mentioned, uh, who might be the right appointment. Arguably better than a. It, what do you think? Is it better to have uh, someone who's got experience managing the Premier League, Mark, Mark, Mark Hughes, or someone with great potential but not a lot of experience in the in the biggest league in the world, in my opinion? Well, again, this, along with the West Ham way, it's another myth pretty much entirely invented in this country that Premier League experience is the most important thing when it comes to playing in the Premier League. I think it doesn't matter. You could have played... It could be a manager who knows the league inside out. It could be somebody who's never even watched a game, provided they're the right person to get the right qualities out of these particular players. I don't think it's gonna it's gonna matter too much. I to honestly I think the more interesting thing is is about Daesh. What where does he go from here? Because he's always been that um that name that gets bandied about when they try and bring in a manager from a big club tries to bring in a manager from overseas or tries to make a an appointment. It's always like, well, what about Sean Dyche? Look at the job he's done at Burnley. Look at look at Eddie Howe. Look at the job he's done at Bournemouth. And 
if Dyche gets a, let's say the Everton job became available, they've maybe he's underperformed. Let's say the West Ham job became available at the end of the season. There's, there's, there's some question marks there. If he goes and gets one of these allegedly bigger jobs and absolutely sticks his fingers down his throat, isn't that's nobody's going to ever tout English managers, <laughs> managers to get big jobs ever again, are they? No, probably not. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Uh, let's talk about some of last night's results in the Premier League. Let's start with uh, Man United. Uh, Sheffield United's capitulation post-break continues 3-0. Uh, first senior hat-trick for Anthony Martial. Um, annoying for you in terms of the fantasy football stakes, but a, a resurgent Manchester United. Yeah, can you imagine if I'd said to you a couple of years ago, uh, <laughs> Man United are going to... They're going to make five substitutions all at once in an entirely empty stadium. And yet the most shocking thing about that match is going to be one of their players got a hat-trick. <laughs> <laughs> that I missed this. So oh. tell me about this this five substitutions thing, because I was just gobsmacked when you told me this beforehand. Well, just everybody, because obviously, you know, the new rules are you can make five substitutions, but you're still only allowed to make three breaks for substitutions. So if you make three subs, that's it. You, you, only, get these, you only get the three breaks in play to stop people, you know, taking the piss a bit. So, uh, yeah, just with about, I think it was about 60, 70, 70 minutes, I think it was. Just all five of them, just lined up. <laughs> just all of them. The pictures that were getting shit, the five-a-side energy, like in that picture of all five of them stood on the touchline waiting to get on was just unbelievable. It was please amazing. Don't, please don't say the word five-a-side. I miss playing football so miss playing much. Football so much, yeah. I uh, I sprained my ankle in March and I thought, oh, I'm going to be really jealous of watching all the lads play. You know, obviously, when we didn't really know quite how serious this was all going to get, I'd be really jealous watching all the lads play and seeing all the group texts going around organising it all. And now it's been so long. It looks like it's going to be half a year, if not longer. It's very depressing. But anyway, let's talk about the, the Man United result. Less about Sheffield United just seemingly already being on their summer holidays. Mm. Um, yeah, Martial looked sensational last night. Is this Is this... A sign of things to come because I was speculating with you the other day that United could stumble as we headed towards the end of the season and potentially give Wolves a shot at the Champions League. 
Yeah, um, we talked, I've said, you know, Solskjaer is not somebody who really benefits from these big breaks. He tends to be good at building momentum, tends to struggle a bit when that momentum gets disrupted. Um, but Man United, in fairness, have hit the ground running. They've been, they've been fantastic, both those games. Um, I, I know people are talking about the five substitutions as a big uh, landmark moment, all Martial getting the first Man United hat-trick since Robin Van Persie. Wow. Yeah. I think probably one of the more interesting things is Man United have never had two... Since Ferguson left, Man United haven't had two separate players both score 20 goals in a season. And now Rashford and Martial are both on 19. Mm. There's probably more encouraging signs to be got from that because they've just never quite looked threatened. I mean, we've always we made the joke. We made the joke right after Ferguson left where it was like there's a, there's a slight level of enjoyment to be had from seeing the kid who bullied you at school now be a total loser and that's like like watching man united under Moyes and then under van gaal and then under Mourinho. And there's just the biggest somehow somehow solskjaer's made this man united team likable uh there's a lot mm. of good a lot of good pros in there uh i know people pull up pogba but we all know what that's a dog whistle for so i just i don't know it just seems that there's there's good exciting young talent in there and obviously greenwood's coming to the side he looks really good daniel james there's really good they there's the building blocks are there to really. If you look at, I'll put it this way: if you look at what Chelsea managed to do this season by having a lot of faith in some of their younger players and also going out and buying the right uh, players to complement that, Chelsea should, in theory, be having a go at the Premier League next season. Really having a good go at it, and I think Man United one or two signings in that kind of vein could be doing a similar thing. Um, they're not back. You'd have to be an idiot. Like, oh, Man United, they're not back. They're not back. The Man United world is not back, but they're certainly. They're certainly recovering from Moyes now, I'd say. Yes, uh, fifth in the Premier League now. Joint points, same points, 49 points uh, as Wolverhampton Wanderers uh, ahead of them on goal difference, of course. Got a decent-ish run in as you look at Man United's fixtures. Uh, I feel like those were the two big ones. And of course, the potential FA Cup run on the cards. They've got um, Norwich City on Saturday. What do you make very quickly of the argument of Bruno Fernandes in the team of the season? Uh, ridiculous. <laughs> uh, is, well, sorry, I'll rephrase that. I'll rephrase that. People were talking about putting him in the team of the season after five games, which was absurd, obviously, because any player in the league can have a good run of five games. He's kept that form up to an extent. doesn't quite look as just mercurial and as spontaneous and inventive as he did in those first couple of games, but he certainly had a very good half a season for Manchester United. Mm. I dare say... If he takes it on another couple of levels, maybe you could make that argument of putting him in the team of the season. But, I mean, look at the rest of the league. Like, just, you're telling me, who, whose places does he take? De Bruyne's? Mm. Sterling's? Uh, Mane's? I just, I know. I just, I don't say it. No, Isaac, um, I know. There's just... <laughs> um... Yeah, they got Brighton next in the league, then Bournemouth, Villa, Southampton, Palace, West Ham and Leicester City on the final day, who could obviously already be on their holidays having made the Champions League. So I would suspect United will probably get that fifth spot now looking at it. But but who knows? It's it's unpredictable, as always, this sort of weird nine-game season. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Liverpool. I mean, they are basically Premier League champions. They have been uh, even before this break. 4-0 uh, against Crystal Palace last night. Do you see them being crown champions tonight? Chelsea, Man City, after all? There's a this is the thing. There's a possibility, but it's just... I think... I'll be very careful how I word this because I know I know how Liverpool fans can be. 
we are talking about a team being crowned Premier League champions for the first time in like 30 years or something after everything that's gone on and how close they came last year and how good this team is. I think it's a testament to just how boring they have made the title race. That this is the f- they were talking about this after a five man substitution. <laughs> yes, I mean, genuinely, like, don't get me wrong, we will study this Liverpool team, historians will like go into great depth about how good it was and how Klopp completely revolutionized this club's fortunes and how he slowly built one of the most exciting, one of the most attacking sides in world football. Yeah, we'll do all of that, but it's just been really boring. Like like the the narrative that was on the table last night for that Crystal Palace game, because of course, famously the Crystal Palace game was where they really slipped up, not where they figuratively also literally slipped up with Gerard. (laughs) The Palace game was the one where they dropped those needless points and let everybody back in. And the narrative to be had there from a late winner or from a nervy first half or just something. And it went 4-0. And like, <laughs> all right, great. well done. You're really good at football. But like, I don't care. Like, if I wanted to watch teams that were really good at football, I'd just watch Bayern. This, this league's supposed to be very exciting and very entertaining and very even. And the best thing about it is even the best teams have got an absolute disaster in them somewhere. And Liverpool have made themselves disaster-proof this season. must be great for their fans. But I will say there is a there is a deserved irony, in my opinion, that there will be no huge celebrations, there will be no big fanfare, there will be no big eruption in the stadium because, well, they've made the season boring for everybody else. So I don't think they get to celebrate. <laughs> Um, do you think they're going to break? Oh, no, sorry, my phone exploded. <laughs> do you think they're going to break some of City's records towards the end? Yeah, of the but this is, again, this is the thing. They're probably going to break the points records. They might break the goal scored record. They're, they're almost certainly going to break every single record available to them. This should be the most exciting team in Premier League. Maybe I should be more annoyed at Man City. Maybe I should be more annoyed they didn't run them closer because they dropped so many stupid points. They could. Yeah. If Man City played like they played last year. There could well only be a handful of points in this, where one slip-up could make the difference and Liverpool would still have to go to City or something like that. But just, no. City just fell away too early. Chelsea, Man United, Arsenal, Wolves, nobody else was ever anywhere near getting towards them. And it's just been boring. <laughs> really uh, boring. To conclude then, do you see City dropping points against Chelsea tonight and handing Liverpool the title? Or do you think it's going to all come down to that match at the Etihad? Who cares? <laughs> Do you know what it is? They'll win the league and maybe they'll win the league when someone else plays or maybe they'll win the league when they play. But they won the, they won, they won the league in December. We'll have this to has been, it's been a foregone conclusion. There's been no... St- even that Watford game, even the Watford game where they lost, nobody was like, oh, oh, the gap's down to 25 points now. <laughs> Just a little note to myself. Next time, we, next time we have our podcast talking about Liverpool... I'm going to get Ewan on so he can gloat a little bit. <laughs> Trend! Uh, no, I just don't Anyway, let us know your thoughts on everything we've discussed in the comments section below. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe and subscribe to What Culture Football. Wherever you get your po- uh, podcast from for daily football podcasts, you can also let us know your thoughts. Yes, you Liverpool fans on Twitter at What Culture FC. <laughs> well, actually, they can follow myself and Adam Cleary. You can follow Adam Cleary at... At It's Adam Nicholas. <laughs> you Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture FC. This has been, it's all kicking off. My thanks to Adam Cleary. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 